0: Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I want to start off by telling you about um, a voicemail I got yesterday from my buddy Jim from Florida. He kind of asked me for a little bit of a favor, and uh, I think I agree. I don't know if I can do it, but. I agree, and I'm going to try. And it kind of changed the course of what I was planning to do today. Essentially, now I, I personally haven't been hit very hard by what's going on. And in a sense, with the podcast and everything, I've tried to kind of ignore it and just go on about my normal day and with the normal podcast. However, sometimes a normal podcast for me, probably more often than not, is me being, I guess you could say, a little bit negative. It's kind of my M.O. I'm, I'm, I think I'm better at that than, than the alternative. However, with everything that's going on, and this is, you know, hitting people differently, and the audience is, is pretty vast that I have, and there are certain regions that are getting hit more than others, bottom line is, and this is, again, what Jim had kind of pointed out, that maybe I just underestimated my ability to impact things But a lot of people do start their day with podcasts, and that means some people start their day with my podcast. And a lot of people are struggling right now, so it makes sense to say that if I have the opportunity to help people start off their day positively, I should probably do that. Now again, I cannot do this for very long. If I'm not smashing my fist on something and ranting and raving within 30 days... I'm going to explode, but I'm, 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 I'm thinking I can muster up the ability to try to be, um, positive and, and, and I'm not talking about lying, but you, you can come at a million different things from a million different angles. And so I'm, I'm just going to try to remember to angle it in the positive. Just, just, just letting you know what the agenda is going to be. And if, if I forget, feel free to reach out and be like, Hey, remember that thing where you weren't going to ruin my entire day? Remember that? Just, just shoot me a reminder. But again, I, you know, and I don't want to overstate my impact in your life, but when I when I heard Jim's voicemail, it kind of, you know, I, I guess I just thought I, I had no impact and I'm just talking about football and people can listen or not listen and I have, but assuming I do, I'll try to help. So here's what I want to start today off with and I can't guarantee that this will be every day, but I did it just a couple of days ago and I got a lot of feedback about, you know, how well just just feedback in general which means usually people liked it and I liked it and I think a lot of people like it so I want to look back today just briefly at another fantastic Green Bay Packers game I went back to and this was just kind of for I don't even remember why I did it. I think it was when I was talking about loading up on offense and how great this offense was at one and I just picked a game that basically was just a high score (laughs) turns out that that was a game that just about everybody remembers. I mean, it was, you know, Randall Cobb's 108-yard return where John Kuhn grabbed him mid-fall, picked him up, and sent him on his way. It was a beautiful game. And again, and I, I, I don't even... The only thing I've heard in terms of feedback is somebody tried to get Game Pass, and they said they couldn't. Supposedly, it was... I mean, this is back uh, three weeks ago. They said they were going to offer it for free. I don't know why they would have changed that. I still think it's free. So I'm telling you to go back and watch this on Game Pass assuming that's even a possibility if it's not i think it costs about a hundred bucks it might be less in the off season i mean it shouldn't be because it lasts for a year but they might do that as incentive to try to get some money and i don't know but i thought it would be fun today to highlight um you know there's a lot of talk and speculation about aaron Rodgers and you know how good he is or whatever and we'll probably be spending a good amount of time in 2010 because that (laughs) 2010 and 2011 uh when the team was just on fire and won the super bowl but um You know, 2014 was also sort of a hidden great year. But surprisingly, I I looked back, what was Aaron Rodgers' best game ever? And it's really, it's not even close. He had a couple games where he graded out at at 94, which is a, you know, it's a great game. But as I'm going back and looking, 2010, Aaron Rodgers was, his second best game in 2010 was a 94.3. He also had a game that was 93, and he had four games where he graded as elite. But that wasn't his best game. You know what his best game was? 97.3. That's unbelievable. I, I got to go back and look and see. I mean, PFF had Tannehill as the highest graded quarterback. I mean, because he had so many great games. But he his highest game was a 94.5, which is incredibly high. Again, Aaron Rodgers has had like three games in his career at 94. Russell Wilson this past year had one game at 94. Drew Brees had a 96.3, which is unbelievable. Oh, Lamar, 97-9 against Cincinnati. He's got Rodgers beat already. That guy's good, man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, I just wanted to look around and see. Um, it's it's rare. It's very, very rare. But this game is 2010. It's week nine against the Dallas Cowboys. At this point, the Packers are 5-3. and three. Now remember, 2010 was not that great of a year. I actually did an episode, and I wish I had kind of marked this. I'll, I'll try to go back and find it to reference it, because if you want something positive, um, basically I just kind of went back and looked at the 2010 season. I started in the off season. I, I, I might even gone back a little bit further just to kind of get a vibe. Right, I looked at the draft, like what were some of the needs. I looked at, at who we drafted. I looked at some of the news that was coming out. There was a scandal that had gone on. And just all this crazy stuff. The Packers started the season 2-0, and then they lost to the Bears, barely beat the Lions. And then won two games in overtime. The Redskins 16-13. And then the Dolphins 23-3. So that's ugly. Barely beat the Vikings. Barely beat the Jets. I mean, it's just... Just dragging, man. Just dragging. The only real blowout was the Buffalo Bills. And then comes November 7th. 8.30 Eastern Time. Week 9. Against the Dallas Cowboys. The first quarter was 0-0. Zero to zero. Not a super great start. Dallas started off with the ball. They couldn't do anything with it. Gave it back to the Packers. They started moving the ball. Aaron Rodgers was already on fire. He hit Brandon Jackson for three yards. Brandon Jackson was our main back at the time. He ran again. Third down, Rodgers hits Jordy. Obviously converts that. Gets into a third down again. Hits James Jones for 13 yards, but he fumbles it. Fortunately, I think it was Jordy that recovered it. Anyways, they keep plugging along. Aaron Rodgers hits Greg Jennings for three yards. Comes back on third down again. Aaron Rodgers hits James Jones for 11 yards. First and 10, uh, hits Tom Crabtree for four. John Kuhn up the middle, third down again. Aaron Rodgers uh, ends up getting sacked. Mason Crosby misses a 54-yard field goal, right? So it kind of, it's looking good, but they just can't quite get over that hump. They get the ball back one more time in the quarter. For some reason, not knowing that this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' greatest game of his career, they run the ball, they run the ball, they run the ball. Third down, Rodgers takes off running for 27 yards. John Kuhn runs the ball. That's the end of the first quarter. Now it's go time. Second quarter kicks off. Aaron Rodgers, within a few seconds of this quarter, throws a nine-yard pass to Brandon Jackson for a touchdown. Dallas goes three and out. Packers get the ball at the 20-yard line. Rodgers hits Jennings for 10. Rodgers takes off running for 12, and there's a cut, you know, John Kuhn runs for one, Brandon Jackson runs for two. I mean, it's, this is this is what the Packers used to do constantly. You run the ball for two yards, and that's it. So those are peppered in. But Rodgers uh, then hits James Jones for 22 yards. Next play, Rodgers, deep right, James Jones, 31 yard, And then Brandon Jackson runs for a two-yard touchdown. Just carving them up, man. So in six minutes, the Packers have just scored two touchdowns. Again... And, the, I mean, the defense did a great job as well. The uh, Dallas Cowboys again go three and out. Now their quarterback is John Kitna, which probably says a little bit of something about it. First play right out of the gate. Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson, six yards. Brandon Jackson loses three. Rodgers, Brandon Jackson, eight yards. Rodgers finally throws an incomplete pass. John Kuhn rips off 17 yards. First down from the 50. Rodgers hits John Kuhn for four. Kuhn gets another three. In another third. So, so they they keep doing these little things, and then on third down, what does Rogers do? Thirty-three yards to Greg Jennings. Jackson gets his two yards. Rodgers hits Greg Jennings for an eight-yard touchdown. Man, I want to go back and watch this game. I might I might be feeling sick today, man. I don't know if I can go to work. We're still in the second quarter, by the way. There's two minutes left. Anyways, we kick it off to Dallas. They finally get a little bit going. Dez Bryant just kind of takes over. Thirteen-yard pass to Dez. Forty-one-yard pass to Dez incomplete pass, incomplete pass, two-yard touchdown pass to death. This is actually not the first time this has happened. I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I remember this game. No, this is not the game. I was thinking of that game where Dallas almost came back because they realized they had Dez Bryant on the t- This is not that game, I promise you. So anyways, that's the end of the half. Pretty good second quarter for the Packers. In fact, it was a great first quarter as well. They just couldn't quite punch it in at the end there. There was a sack that kind of ended that drive. Anyways, third quarter doesn't start off quite as high. Incomplete pass. Lost two yards, threw for eight, not good enough. Maste rips off 44 because he's a freak. Dallas goes three and out. After a little warm-up, Packers get the ball back. Still almost 12 minutes left in the third because both teams just couldn't do anything to start off. Rodgers starts off throwing for eight yards to Mr. Greg Jennings. Brandon Jackson gets his two, so that's just automatic. You know, he's going to get his two. Next play, Rodgers comes off, rips off 14 to James Jones throws a two-yard pass to Brett Swain, then hits Jordy Nelson for 27 yards. Alarm clock, I'm going to need you to cool it. 27 yards to Jordy. They just started. They're already on the Dallas 37. Rodgers throws an incomplete. Rodgers throws an incomplete. So now it's third and 10 at the Dallas 10. Sorry, before the 27, they were on the 37. Now they're on the 10. So now it's getting scary, right? Drove all this way down here. First and 10 from the 10, you throw two incomplete passes. What does he do on third down, you think? 10-yard touchdown pass to James Jones. Kick it off to Dallas. They once again go three and out. Again, defense was on point in this game. Rodgers gets another opportunity. What does he do? Six-yard pass to Jordy Nelson. Six-yard pass to Brandon Jackson. Five-yard pass to Greg Jennings. John Kuhn runs up for four. John Kuhn goes for two. That's a first down. Aaron Rodgers throws a pass 16 to James Jones. Brandon Jackson gets 14, which is incredible. Now it's first and 10 from the Dallas 35. Already, Brandon Jackson gets his three. John Kuhn goes for two. Now we're back in that third down situation. Rodgers threw an incomplete pass, but penalty on the defense. Why? Because Rodgers caught a guy offside. First and ten, John Kuhn rips off two. John Kuhn rips off uh, five, so now it's third down again. So what does Rodgers do? 13-yard pass to Greg Janning. John Kuhn for two, incomplete, incomplete, Mason Crosby field goal. By the way, I mentioned how good the defense was in this game. Kick it off to Dallas. Now they're taking it completely out of their quarterback's hands. Felix Jones runs for 7. Felix Jones runs for 8. Felix Jones runs for 2. John Kitna throws a pass. 30 yards to Jason Witten. So now they're rolling, right? They're on the Green Bay 30. John Kitna drops the pass. Short right intended for Miles Austin gets picked off by Clay Matthews. He returns it for a 62-yard touchdown. Tell me you're not getting jacked up and want to go watch this game right now. Anyways, kick it off to Dallas. They go 3 and out. And at this point, Aaron Rodgers is pulled, Matt Flynn is in. Obviously, that's not quite as good. He goes three and out, just kind of goes back and forth. Dallas just basically burns out the clock. When this is all said and done, the Packers end up winning this game again, 2010. Things aren't looking super hot, but there was a glimmer in a one game that looked pretty good. They go up against Dallas. And granted, Dallas at this point, 1-7. They're not a good football team. But the Packers won 45-7. to seven. They scored 28 points in the second quarter. Aaron Rodgers in this game was 27 of 34 for 289 yards, 3 touchdowns. Passer rating of 131.5. And because it was a good old days, you know, and I remember this from Aaron Rodgers all the way back to Brett Favre, one of the hallmarks of the Green Bay Packers, and again, we, we really need to get back to this, is the ability to distribute the ball to so many different weapons. John Kuhn, on top of having a pretty good game on the ground, 13 carries for 50 yards, I mean, for a fullback, come on. On top of that, he had two receptions for 12. Brandon Jackson, four receptions for 26. Um, Tom Crabtree had one for four. Brett Swain had one for two. Um, Jordy had four receptions for 42 yards. Greg Jennings had seven receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown. James Jones, eight receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Jackson also had a uh, receiving touchdown in that game on top of a rushing touchdown. 13 carries, 42 yards and a touchdown. Beautiful game. Also, again, defense. Clay Matthews, Charles Woodson, Desmond Bishop, and C.J. Wilson all had sacks in this game, four sacks. Clay Matthews had two pass deflections. Sam Shields, two pass deflections. Tremon Williams, two pass deflections. A.J. Hawk, a pass deflection. Clay Matthews and Sam Shields both had picks in this game. Clay, obviously, with that 62-yard touchdown return. Clay was a madman. One interception with a 62-yard touchdown. Two pass deflection, one sack, two tackles for a loss, two quarterback hits, madman. But this was back in his prime, man. We forget how good he was. I, I remember. Sometimes we tend to forget with our recency bias issues, which I have as well. But I remember when games would start off, and you know they they got the camera square on Clay Matthews, saying, "This is the guy you got to worry about right here. One of the greatest pass rushers in the game right now." I I vividly remember that. On on how lucky I felt to have a guy like Clay on our team. He was a freak. Some other highlights, you had Sam Shields with a 49-yard kick return in this game. He only returned it once on a kick return, got 49 yards out of it. If we look at just the drive summaries, here's how all the Packers' drives ended. Blocked field goal, touchdown, 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 end of the half. Punt, touchdown, field goal, punt, and then downs. And remember, by the end of this, that was Aaron Rodgers got pulled. So this is your game of the day. PFF has him has this game as Aaron Rodgers' greatest game of his entire career. It is week nine in two thousand and ten against the Dallas Cowboys. Sort of a precursor of what was to come. And it is just for me it's kind of fun to go back and think we had no idea at this point. Which 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 honestly should give us some level of excitement for this year. Because I, I was thinking about it. I think, in my honest opinion, the Packers are sort of a second tier kind of team. That doesn't necessarily mean second tier in terms of talent because we don't know what's going to happen in 2010. We don't know who the best teams are going to be. I'm just talking about with the available knowledge that we have and kind of looking backward, who would you kind of put the most money on to win the Super Bowl? Well, you've got your upper tier teams. You've got, I think, you would probably say the Saints, the 49ers, the Chiefs, Is that and, and the Ravens. Those are those are kind of the four top tier teams. Then you got others that are kind of knocking on the door, but they've got some clear deficiency. Vikings, Packers, Titans, Cowboys, whatever. But again, 2010 is exciting because it's just, that was not, nobody's going to go back and look and say, oh man, the Packers were just, I mean, they were good. This wasn't the mark of an unbeatable team. Again, they had a bye week right after this game. They went into the bye week at 6-3. Uh, and three. And I'm sorry, I think I said we won in overtime against the Dolphins and the Redskins. We lost in overtime to the Dolphins and the Redskins. That's not exciting stuff to barely beat Detroit, to lose to Chicago, to lose to the Redskins, to lose to the Dolphins, barely beat the Vikings, barely beat the Jets. I mean, these are just, I don't even know what was going on back then, but historically bad teams. Dolphins, Jets, Redskins, Lions, Bears, Vikings. We can barely beat these teams. And again, the only team we blew out of the water was the Buffalo Bills, who are also a historically terrible team. This isn't shaping up to be anything great. Then we come out of the bye and annihilate the Vikings. So you're feeling pretty good until you lose three out of the next four games, and now it's like i I don't you know I remember thinking we're we're kind of just done at this point. point, eight and six I mean we had to win out against the Giants and the Bears and have things go in our favor and the rest is kind of history. they did beat the giants i mean badly forty five to seventeen so again, there's those glimmers you know you lose to Detroit three to seven, you lose to new England twenty seven to thirty one and then you blow out the giants forty five seventeen beat the bears ten to three and then to go on and do what you do in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you just you just never know, man. But the only other thing I can think and, and it's another reason and I, I listen, I I know it's being somewhat irresponsible, but sometimes I just get tired of being trying to focus on being so nerdy, you know? Well, technically the correct process for building a team is thusly and thusly thisly thusly 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 thusly. You got to talk like that when you're smart. You got to have a lisp, apparently. I don't know. I I don't know much about being smart, but I feel like that's what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, when you think back about some of the greatest games you've ever seen, some of the most exciting times you've ever had, what was the situation? Do we win the Super Bowl that year? Think back to some of the greatest games you've ever seen. Obviously, the Super Bowl was one of Okay, fine. Write that down. 2011 ended in crushing fashion. That doesn't change the fact that when we go back and watch that game week one against the, what was it, the Saints, that we all look back with just reverence for how amazing that was. It doesn't have to be Super Bowl or bust in our mind. Remember, the Super Bowl is one game. If our entire season, if our entire everything about the NFL is only about the Super Bowl, and if you don't win, then it's just it's a miserable existence, we have to find a way to enjoy the process. And that's another reason why I really would just love to build up this offense. Because if nothing else, especially with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, even if he's only 85% of what he used to be, the potential to have some unbelievably exciting and fun games is very much in front of us. Maybe we don't win, but let's enjoy the road. Let's get some exciting games going. And again, I, I, I can't speak for every fan base, but I know what it's like to be a Packers fan. I know what it's like, that we, the, the things that we've enjoyed. Brett Favre just slinging it. We had to live with interceptions. We had to live at times, and he had some great defenses, but with some pretty bad defenses. We've had to live with no run games. We've, we've lived on just shootouts, and it's a matter of your quarterback against my quarterback, your wide receivers against my wide receivers. May the best man win. And we live for that, man. Cardiac pack. And I just feel like we, we as fans, will tolerate that because it's what we, what, what we know. And maybe I'm just speaking for everybody wrongly and there are certain people that are like i've had enough of this and i want something different but i feel like we have the capacity to accept a game in which the offense rips off 35 points and we barely lose out right we're not going to be happy with the defense if you lose scoring 35 points but i i I don't know i just again I, i go back to the point where i feel like that's in our dna certain teams are just built for defense that's their franchise they've always been that way the bears are that way having a bad defense is a weakness in Green Bay, I just think we can't tolerate an offense that's like this. We can't tolerate a quarterback who can't, it just, it won't start up. It won't go. We got, we got a quarterback and we got one wide receiver, and it's just, everything else is just, it's, it's sputtering all the time. So, again, I'm, I'm not speaking in terms of this is the proper and, and correct way to build a team. I'm just speaking in terms of, you know what, man, just give me what, just, just give us what we need. You know what we need. I, I just, I want to relive it, I want to see it again. I miss the days when when you wouldn't dare draft any Green Bay Packers wide receiver in fantasy football because you just never know which one's going to go off. You knew one of them was, and the statistics were through the roof, and you would think, of course you want a Packers wide receiver, but you don't. Because, again, if you had Jordy Nelson in this game, you were very disappointed. Six targets, four receptions for 42 yards. Greg Jennings wasn't bad, seven for 80 and a touchdown, but James Jones would have been the guy in this game eight receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Sometimes it's distributed so that, you know, nobody really goes off, but everybody just really gets something. You know, the very next week, if you had James Jones, he had three receptions for 50, I mean, it's not the next week, it's two weeks later because of the bye week. He had three receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown. But Jennings had seven receptions for 152 yards and three touchdowns, right? So you just just didn't know. And that was what made this team so great. You you can't key in on anybody. What are you going to do? You take James Jones away and leave Greg Jennings out there to get 152 yards and three touchdowns? And by the way, Donald Driver had four for 31. Jordy Nelson had three for 20. Brandon Jackson had four for 38. Corliss one for 14. You, you can't key in on anybody. There's no point to even shade a safety. There's no point. A couple weeks later, again, it was Greg Jennings, but also Donald Driver got in the mix. Eight targets, four receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Donald Driver would be great to have in fantasy on this week, but not so much any other week. Jordy, again, only two for 15. This is a little early for Jordy. He hasn't, I don't think, really broke out yet. But, again, point is, massive distribution. And James Jones in this game, two receptions, eight yards. You just didn't know. And I I just, I miss that. You just don't know. And we didn't even have a tight end. We had Corliss and Crabtree. Crabtree didn't have a single reception. I don't know if he's hurt or what. I haven't seen his name since that Dallas game. But Rodgers had the ability to throw it to Jennings, to Driver, to Nelson. A couple weeks later against, I think it's the 49ers, Jordy Nelson had seven targets, four receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Guess what? That was the second best wide receiver in this game, Greg Jennings, seven receptions, 142 yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but he had more yards. You just, I mean, look, you can say Greg Jennings was the best guy back then. That's fine. I'm not going to say you didn't know who the best receiver was. You did, but you'd be a fool to key in on him. First of all, because it's still not going to work. It's no different than you can you can key in on Devontae. Guess what? We're still going to throw to him, and he's still going to probably be the best wide receiver and get the most yards and touchdowns. And I'm listen. I, I don't expect in one one draft to get a, a a a Jordy Nelson and a Donald Driver and a James Jones. But can we get a Jordy? And remember, this is Donald Driver at the very tail end of his career. People were saying he shouldn't even be playing in the playoffs because he was a borderline liability. Which I and most Packer fans told whoever was saying that to shut their mouth which by the way and i again i don't want to speak for you i don't know but that was my experience i had i I was living in chicago i had bears fans friends saying donald driver needs to sit this out with the super bowl on the line i remember saying nope he needs to play because you know it's just it's just i don't know man it just feels like it was different for us donald driver was family he deserved to be on the field and helped to win the super bowl and if he's a liability and, and it hurts our ability to win a super bowl i just didn't care Donald Driver's the man; he deserves to be on this field. But, anyways, again, replacing Don- we could replace Donald Driver, 2010 Donald Driver with with a later round pick, and let's not forget 2021. This may be a couple years in the making, but, but you know, if we can look ahead to 2021 a little bit, the ability to get another wide receiver doesn't necessarily have to be a first round pick. We got to see what happens this year, but with the amount of talent in this year and next year, who's to say that? By the 2021 20, season, we don't have another four or five wide receivers that we can rely on. You think Funchess wouldn't make a, a, a decent number three or possibly number four wide receiver option? So really, what are we looking for? We just need a James Jones and a Jordy Nelson. Cobb wasn't around yet. And and Jordy Nelson wasn't even peaked Jordy Nelson yet. I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is to get back to this level, it, it, we're not asking that much. Jordy hadn't peaked. Donald Driver was at the very tail end. So it was, it was Greg Jennings and James Jones, and James Jones was hit or miss. He's great one minute and just kind of eh, the next. I don't know, man. I just miss it, and I want it. And again, I'm, I'm not even advocating that we just abandon the defense. We have defense. That's the point. We already have it. It's not perfect. It's got flaws, but it's better than just about any defense we've had in recent memory. And again, with, without going down a negative path, I, I don't think it's unfair to say we've done enough. We got you, King. We've got you, Jair. We've got you, Savage. We got you, Amos. We got you, Zadarius. We got you, Preston. We got you, Rashan. We got you, Kenny Clark. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll we'll scrounge around and find a linebacker for you. But you got to kind of make this work now. I think uh, I think we're set. If we get you a linebacker in the first three rounds, um, you know, make it work, please. And thank you. That that's my personal thought. I don't know. Again, I've gone down this path. I more or less just wanted to highlight this game as the game of the day. I probably shouldn't have gone through so many games. I need to save those for other days. But again, 2010 is something we can constantly go back to as a reason for optimism, which is entirely what the offseason is. It's a reason for optimism. And I know sometimes I don't go down the optimistic path, but there's there's no reason because anything is possible. So there's no reason not to just make up a scenario in which the Packers are awesome. And even after the draft, we know the reality that maybe one or two of these guys is really going to pan out. But of course, every year we get excited about seventh round guys. So what? So do it. Yeah, he's not going to... We know he's not going to... Whoever he is, he's not going to be good. So what? Get excited about him. I saw this one play, man. Somebody highlighted some on Twitter. Is awesome. Yeah, probably going to be a freak. You could probably write about that. I don't know. But 2010 is, is constantly a source of optimism because, again, it, it proves that you don't have to be the top team to win the Super Bowl. This team had flaws on top of flaws, just sputtering all the way along. I was positive that we weren't even going to make the playoffs by, you know, whatever it was, week 14, 15. Packers won the Super Bowl that year. And it wasn't because of a lack of good teams. The Atlanta Falcons were 13-3. and I mean, it's, you know, the, the Falcons were, what, the Chiefs? Dominant, dominant, dominant offense. Packers waltzed into Atlanta at their home stadium and just annihilated them. Bears were a good team. They ended the season at 11-5. and It was a close game, but we waltzed into Chicago and beat them too. That's a good team. Real good defense, as usual, because again, DNA. Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, Julius Peppers, Israel Adonajay, Tim Jennings, and the Steelers, 12-4. and Number one ranked defense in all of football, going into the playoffs anyways. Number one in points, number two in yards. Talking about you know, James Harrison, Troy Polamalu, Ike Taylor, Lawrence Timmons. Again, the point is, yeah, you, you know, you look at the Chiefs. wall. we can go through the Chiefs. Oh, man, that offense. Look at, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and their defense. Look at the 49ers and what they've built and their offense and their defense. Oh, man, scary, scary. The Packers can't stack up. Packers couldn't stack up against the Steelers. Packers weren't as good as the Bears. Packers certainly couldn't take on the Falcons in Atlanta that's that's ridiculous to even fathom that that's possible the Ravens were dominant they were 12 and 4 one of the best defenses in football but we never had to see them, did we so again it's, it's not about having the best roster it's actually one of the exciting things about football and, and one of the reasons why kind of nerding out too much doesn't get you anywhere because all the numbers and all that stuff comes down to nothing at the end of the day doesn't mean anything we don't know anything. We don't know who the good teams are going to be this year. It changes every year. Remember, the 49ers were garbage two years ago. They've been the reason their team is so good is because they've had top five picks for how many years in a row now. They just caught fire. It happens. The Ravens kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And so sometimes we and and I get too caught up in this. Oh man, it's it's never going to work. And this has to happen. And we got to do this. How many people expected the Packers' defense to be as good as it was? I mean, with, with all the flaws and everything, who thought... I, I, I've said this, before. I don't think Brian Gutekunst expected Zedarius to be as good as he was. Who's to say, with a new DB coach, that this isn't the top secondary in football next year? Who's to say the Packers don't have a top five defense this year? Even if they don't address anything. Even if we don't get the linebacker and defensive line thing fixed. Do you know, do you know what happens when you have the number one secondary in football? Everything just kind of falls into place. That's what the Patriots had, best secondary in all of football, except the Packers are going to have better pass rushers than the Patriots had last year. And when you got a pass rush and you can cover, I mean, yeah, you can run the ball up the middle a lot if you want, but um, that that's going to be a, a very, very difficult team to beat. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the, the defense regresses. I don't know. But in the offseason, there's no reason to be anything other than optimistic. If you're optimistic and you were wrong, it just means you enjoyed the off season. If you're pessimistic and you're wrong, you you didn't enjoy the off season, you suffered and you made yourself look dumb by putting down the team and the team just won and the team exceeded expectations. Not saying there's anything wrong with predicting or saying i think this is going to happen, but dwelling, some people just dwell, man. You got Mr. Sunshine on Twitter who I you know, don't want to say his name because i don't want to continually call him out, but man, the guy just constantly you know the GM is terrible. Oh, oh, this is the worst, and we're never gonna win because you can't do your job. Shut up! It's just miserable people. Even like during the season, it was what is it? I mean, I'm sure it's not his real name. I think it's Adam. He's got no. He's probably somebody else that's just has a burner account that wants to say negative stuff, but doesn't want me to know who he actually is. But every game, just coming up, talking about how bad Rashawn Gary is over and over and over. It's like, dude, I mean, it doesn't upset me. It's just one of those things where it's like, why are you doing this to yourself? I mean, it's not rational. And again, if you want to predict he's not going to be a good football, that's fine. It's noted. We, we see that you noted it. Right? I've, I've made predictions. But to sit and dwell is just, come on, man. Move on. Now we'll see. Right? You, so write it down chisel it in stone somewhere i don't think rashawn is gonna be a good football player good got it noted it's it's recorded for history now step away from your stone put on your cheese hat and your packer jersey and root for the man because he's a green bay packer don't sit there and, and get all giddy because he didn't play <laughs> i was right he's not good as your team dummy cheer for the man you think I get giddy when Kevin King has a bad day? Again, I'm, I'm, I want so badly to have Kevin King be in the Packers Hall of Fame by the time this is all done, and for Packer fans to remind me every single day how I was wrong about Kevin King, which again, I wasn't. I'm just stating a fact for what it is today, but that doesn't matter because people are still going to throw that back in my face, and I'm going to take it happily. Because I want the man to be great. I want the secondary to be great. I want the team to be great. I want Super Bowls. I want wins. I want great offense. I want high scores. I'm not rooting against anything in a green and gold uniform. Whether it's a polo shirt or a jersey. Kind of at a weird spot right now. Could take a break and try to talk about something else. Or we could end it relatively short. And I didn't put a spot in here for ads. So that's going to be in a random random location or just the beginning. I don't know. I'm talking to myself because you already probably heard the ad by now. But I, I, I actually, I do think I'm going to end it here. It was not my intention, but that took a lot longer to go through that. But again, just, just use this time to be excited and to be optimistic, right? Because it's not, you don't need a vivid imagination to picture what it would take for the Packers to succeed. And and, and i tell you what. That is the most important question. I'm not asking you to divert from that question. What do the Packers need to do to win a Super Bowl? That is the question, ultimately. That is what is going to make the difference between Brian Gutekunst keeping his job and losing his job. Maybe that's not true. Here's a different question. Let's just say it's an exercise for today, and then we can go back to being rational tomorrow. What would it take for this team to bring you the most joy through the season? I'm not talking about the most joy would be the Packers winning a Super Bowl. I understand that. I'm talking about on a game-to-game basis throughout the season. What would the Packers have to do? What would that? What would that team look like to you? I'm just curious. Just it's a it's a personal thing. I'm not trying to lead you in any direction. What would that Green Bay Packers team look like to to let's just say ten years from now? Because we look back ten years ago, it's crazy. 2010 was ten years ago. If in what what would have to happen? That in 2030, we're looking back on this season and going, man, remember that game? Remember that game? Oh, that was a great game. What would it be? The Great defense? A secondary like we used to have back in the day? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I look back on the Charles Woodson, Sam Sheet I mean, that that was phenomenal. Is it that? Would it be a, a dynamic pass rush? Would it be quarterback wide receiver? I, I don't care. Just just take a minute. Think about it. Think about you know, when you think back on some of the greatest times you've had as a Packer fan, what what is it, outside of, you know, being with family or whatever it else it is you do? The most exciting games, the most fun games, what was it? Because, again, Super Bowl's the ultimate goal, but we need to try to remember to have fun along the way. Or we're going to be miserable, because teams don't usually win the Super Bowl. And I, I you know, my, my best friend has walked away from football for various reasons, but the, the biggest reason, whether he'll admit it or not, is because he is a Super Bowl or bust guy. And every year when his team doesn't win the Super Bowl, the whole, team was a, the whole season was a waste, and he wasted an entire year watching football because my team didn't win a Super Bowl. He's miserable. Football makes the man miserable. You can't be that guy. If you can't enjoy the—and that includes now. The draft is a part of this process that's fun. Enjoy it. Learn how to enjoy it. If you're not into the draft, find a way to become a part of it to embrace it and enjoy it. It is enjoyable. Football can be enjoyed year-round, and if you can't enjoy it year-round, find a way. Learn how. I do. So, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday. Ooh, Wednesday. Love when that happens. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.